great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into Highmark Stadium. Just about an hour after the Buffalo Bills improved to 10-6 and on the season with a 27-21 win over the New England Patriots. I'm Matt Perino. He is Ryan Talbot in person, in living color. I like it. Uh, and Shout, as always, is brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Better meals start with better meats at the best deals in town. Real meat, real butchers. While the other stores have their meat packed in central processing facilities, Tops has real butchers you can trust to serve the very best to your family. Expert butchers hand cut fresh, high quality USDA choice beef and premium pork in store daily. If you don't see what you need, custom cuts and special requests are welcome. Large assortment of all natural, grass fed, antibiotic free and plant based options for your family. Go to topsmarkets.com. Uh, slash real butchers to find out and learn more. All right, Ryan. So the biggest takeaway from this game for me, where we're going to start is with Rasul Douglas, who, man, you know what the whole saying is, right? If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. I feel like that was what Brandon Bean was probably thinking around the trade deadline. Go back to last year. He trades for Naheem Hines to try to spark an offense that was looking for a spark. And it never really materialized for Hines in the offense. Offense. They lose Tredavious White for the season. They trade for Rasul Douglas, who, by the way, Micah Hyde said in his locker room after the game, how did the Packers let this guy get away? They trade for him, insert him as CB1, and oh, has he ever lived up to that moniker. Two interceptions today. He almost had a fumble forced in recovery, uh, or maybe a fumble recovery, and he almost had a third interception. If he ends up picking, up that, picking off that one, it ends up going to Ed Oliver. Rasul Douglas was sensational today. Yeah, absolutely outstanding, Matt. And, you know, we talked to him after the game tonight. He talked about his aggressive nature and uh, how a lot of that comes with the trust that John Butler has in him on the back end of this defense in the secondary. And uh, he was, despite having an unbelievable game with two interceptions, you could tell it was eating at him a little bit. They didn't get that third one that ended up being intercepted by Ed Oliver. He said, I got my hand on it. Uh, he was expecting it to go, I believe, to the right, he said, and it went to the left of the of the receiver. But you know, ball hawk. That's what, that's exactly what this guy is. And he would rather make a play. He compared it kind of like Steph Curry shooting threes today. You know, if you're going to be taking all these crazy threes and you're making them, who's going to say no, if you're going to jump on the ball and get interceptions, no one's going to complain. So uh, his aggressive play has really helped the bills. It really helped on a day when the offense really could not get going. We were at turning stone casino a couple weeks ago. And, and after our show, uh, we went to the uh, floor and uh, took our chances at a couple table games. I feel like Rasul Douglas would be an expert gambler because you have to be like that, have that risk aversion, which I think that he does because he goes out there to your point and he takes some chances and you have to take some chances and you also have to be really good at reading a quarterback, studying film, going in, knowing what they're going to try to do in certain situations. And he was taking us through some of the specific situations that he had kind of realized or tabbed on tape during the week. When he saw it in the game, it allowed him to play free. He makes big uh, big plays in a game where the Bills offense, they needed that pickup. They were struggling earlier in the, in the game. Josh Allen went 0 for 6 to start. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But he also is very like 
he didn't want any of the praise. Like I, I almost tried to set up a lot, uh, like lob up a softball for him to talk about what it's meant for him to join this team and um, be this maybe missing piece to this defense. Because the defense, if you go back to when they traded for him, it was like DVOA in the league. They were kind of trending towards the bottom half, which is yeah. unprecedented for Sean McDermott. And now weeks later, if you look at the DVOA stats for the last couple of games. They've been spectacular. And, you know, he pushed all the credit to the back end, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde. But now in that group with Christian Benford also playing a really important role, he forces a turnover today. That back four is all of a sudden a strength of this team. Yeah, it's a big strength of the team. Now you have the uh, defensive line getting healthier, the linebackers playing a good level uh, at a good level of play. So you you can't really find a weakness right now on, on this defense, whereas before that Russell Douglas acquisition, you were worried about the back end. There was some talk early on in the year. Was Jordan Poyer, you know, was was he had he lost a step? I think a lot of it had to do with the cornerback play and the, the lack of, uh, you know, big playability at that position. And maybe it caused him to be a, a step or two behind. Now the safeties are playing at a high level. Russell Douglas is playing great football. Christian Benford has locked down the number two cornerback. And then obviously Taron Johnson playing at an elite level at that nickel cornerback spot. I think the, the, the next place to go, although we could easily transition at Oliver, we got to talk a little bit about Terrell Bernard and his defense, uh, what he's been able to do replacing um, Tremaine Edmonds. And it's like, we started off the season in New York, I believe it was, talking – if it wasn't the first game, it was maybe the second game, talking about his ability to generate splash plays. And in a, in a game like this where you needed you – know, especially with them in the second half, kind of finding a little bit of momentum for their offense at times, a little bit sustaining drives a little bit more than they would, were early in the game, you needed to make some you know pivotal plays. And today it was Terrell Bernard with the sacks in the second half. And I think it's so interesting to see how Sean McDermott has deployed him. I feel like they're – and correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't it feel like they're blitzing Bernard much more than they did Edmonds when he was here? I almost feel like we're seeing the crystallization of the role that I think that they envisioned when they drafted him because they talked about his ability to navigate – the line of scrimmage as a blitzer coming out of Baylor. Yeah, and listen, Tremaine Edmonds, when given opportunities, was able to get after the quarterback. But I think his size, his wingspan being in the middle of the field, uh, his skill sets were were better suited to do just that. So when it came to uh, you know Terrell Bernard and what he's done and what he's meant for this team so far this season, you can use him as a blitzer. You can use that athleticism. He is a uh, great at getting after the quarterback, great at tackling, wrapping up players, and then just making those splash plays for this defense. If you're watching on YouTube right now after the game, thank you, Twitter and Facebook. Hit that like button on, on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel as well. We're inside Highmark Stadium. Uh, this place was rocking here today. Marv Levy was in the house before the game, getting the people going. Lorenzo Alexander uh, did the uh, where else would you rather be uh, than right here right now with Marv Levy on the Jumbotron, which I thought was a, a really cool touch. Uh, and, and once the game started – you know, people ask me all week, like, was this a spot where the Bills offense potentially could have some problems with this defense? And, of course, like, we talked about Christian Barmore on the preview yeah. show and their, their front and how multiple they are and how many time, how much they, they throw different looks at an opposing offense. But I didn't feel like it was going to end up looking like this. And it was so hard for this offense. And so I asked Mitch Morse about it after the game, and I said, you know, what was going on out there that – forced you guys into such a clunky game. And he said, listen, he took a lot of it on, on himself. He said that there were some com communication issues, especially early in the game, so much so that 
he coined the term uh, at first a come to Jesus moment with Aaron Cromer on the sideline afterwards. But then he came back and kind of walked that back a little bit and said it was more of just a really good conversation at an important time. You know, they had a third down miss. He didn't specify the specific play or the specific miscommunication. But when it happened, they went and they kind of made the adjustments on the sideline and they came out, especially in the second half. And I thought that was the drive to me that got the offense a little bit more comfortable and into what they wanted to do. But Josh Allen in this game, like, of course, he had the little neck thing at the end of the game, which I think a lot of people were concerned about. Uh, he said after the game, it's fine. Yeah. He never experienced it before. But overall, his level of play today, this is not what you need going into the playoffs for a team that despite how well the defense has been playing, they're going to probably only go as far as Josh Allen takes them. Yeah, today was not a great game for Josh Allen. Early on, I think a lot of it had to do with the offensive line play, the pressure getting through immediately. But after they made those adjustments, it was just Josh Allen missing players, throwing behind them, throwing low, being off the mark, having Stefan Diggs running deep down the field for what could have been an easy touchdown and missing the mark there. Uh, 15 out of 30, if I remember correctly, in this game, Matt, it's not going to get the job done. And I know Bill Belichick in this defense, they came to play. They were trying to play spoiler like they did a few weeks ago uh, with Denver and with Pittsburgh and, and some of the upset wins they've had as of late. But Allen has usually been able to find some answers, and today he just was not on. And now you're going into a game next week against Miami. Depending on how these 4 o'clock games go, it could be Bills playing for the number two seed and, or possibly missing the playoffs altogether if they lose that matchup, depending on how, like I said, these two 4 o'clock games uh, end up turning out for the bills. Um, I think they're in pretty good spots right now. Uh, where, where are things right now? We'll do a little live look in here as we uh, follow the scores of the four o'clock games. Pittsburgh takes the lead 17 to 14 over Seattle and Cincinnati on the road against the chiefs, man, they're up 17, seven, Jake Browning. has got the boys yeah. uh, going out there. Patrick Mahomes is driving now in Cincinnati territory, uh, but that's for next week. And we're going to get into this matchup plenty over the next couple of days. It looks like bad news for Bradley Chubb who was carted off at the end of today's game. Tua dealing with a little bit of a shoulder at the end of that game. So we'll track that matchup uh, quite a bit over the um, next week. Let's get more into this offense. And not only Josh Allen struggles, but now a very extended period of struggles for Stefan Diggs. And it's just strange what's going on with him. It, you know, the, the, the first part of it is, um, of course, the production and him not uh, – impacting games the way that you're used to him impacting like this is the longest cold spell of his career with the bills um and then it's the other piece of it where the usage is just strange there's plays where you look out there and he's not out on the field and you're wondering okay third down gotta have it and what who everybody considers their best offensive weapon is on the sidelines watching it, I, I can't seem we were talking about it in the press box today it's it's been hard to figure it out as, as, as sean mcdermott continues to say it's not a medical issue no, and, and listen, after the game, Sean McDermott said and Josh Allen said sometimes it has to do with the personnel packages, running the ball. But there were some third down plays where they were passing the ball, and Stefan Diggs was nowhere to be seen on the field. It was Trent Sherfield in his spot with Khalil Shakir and Gabe Douglas – or sorry, Gabe Davis, excuse me, just talking about uh, Rasul Douglas. So it, that's not the kind of you know receiving core you want out there. You want your number one guy who can create separation, can win for you, and, and when that's not happening, it raises eyebrows. And like you said – He's in this cold spell, and there's been two games now where he's been deep downfield, and they just haven't been able to connect. But in general, the usage isn't there. The targets are, are down. The production's way down. 
And, and the Bills really do need to figure this out going into a must-win game against Miami. And then if they get into the playoffs, you need your number one receiver going and, and being a consistent producer for you. I was thinking about this a little bit on the way up because uh, we were going to actually do this on the field. And then it was we got out there and I, I used the computer to shoot this and it was kind of rain snowing. And I'm like, do we really want 30, 40 minutes in the rain with the computer? So we said, no, we're not going to do that. But I was thinking about this with Diggs and the one maybe bright spot to this, the timing of this struggle is that I don't care how you look at this. If you're another team, I think you think that there might be a drop-off happening for Stefan Diggs. Like, listen, he's on the wrong side of 30. And, you know, this is kind of when receivers start to dip off, start to, um, you know, have their production fall off, have their ability, you know, especially what, what Diggs' game is predicated on, like the separation, his ability in short area spaces to create separation. Now, I don't think the separation has necessarily been a problem. Um but whatever the case may be, maybe the tape tells a different story. Uh, but if you're a, the Bills, I think you maybe even like that Stefan Diggs might be able to get into a situation where he sneaks up on a team. Yeah, I guess that's a good way of looking at it, Matt, because the past few years, whether it's been a must-win game the regular season or the playoffs, teams have really been trying to phase him out and double-team him. And now you have other guys to worry about. You know, James Cook at times has taken over games. Uh, you have Josh Allen, who when he's on can take over a game and Gabe Davis for every matchup where he goes without a catch, he'll have those 100 yard yard outings mixed in between there. So they definitely have other weapons, but you want to maybe have Gabe, uh, excuse me, Stefan Diggs sneak up on these teams, because at this point, you look at the production, you look at the receptions, you look at the yards and how far, you know, how they're down significantly from those first five weeks. And, and maybe teams do kind of change their game plan on how we're going to play the bills. And maybe that will let Stefan Diggs kind of get himself back into one of these games. You know, there's a, you know, uh, another part of this too. And we started this conversation off talking about Josh Allen and uh, one of our uh, regular uh, listeners to the podcast points out to me, our good buddy, Sid vicious. He says he had him for a 90 yard touchdown. All he has to do is put that ball on the money. Yeah. Diggs got separation on that play. I think Jonathan Jones was in uh, um coverage there and Diggs has a, a deep ball touchdown if he gets past them that gets down the gets down the field and that's a throw that Allen here's the here's a problem with that though right what's been taken away from the Bills all season the deep ball so it, it hasn't been a part of their operation and so I feel like in that spot Allen you know just isn't have doesn't have the same amount of reps in that specific throw uh, in game situations, at least, but you have to make that throw. He comes back or it might've been earlier. I can't remember when it, when, when those kind of lined up, but he had the, the deep shot to Dalton K, which I want to transition to anyway, um, which that was a perfectly thrown ball right on the money, but he had two deep balls in this game where I thought he was just, he missed the mark. Yeah. And you know, some of that's touch. Some of that is maybe in his head too, about underthrown passes where he wants to give his receiver a chance to make a play, but this was an overthrown pass where, uh, are taking away those big chunk plays from you it's not as easy as just going out there and throwing it and expecting to be a perfect ball so that that's definitely a factor in it but to your credit the Dalton Kincaid throw uh, was right on the money it's what we've been kind of waiting to see from Kincaid who's been really solid in those short yardage uh, get the ball get a few yards after the catch but when the Bills drafted him there was a lot of talk about how he can stretch the field and help the uh, the Bills offense and he finally did that tonight when given the opportunity it kind of only almost makes you wonder where has it been 
Yeah. Like, why is it taking till week 17 to unlock that part of Kincaid's game? And listen, I know that Davis has been kind of the deep threat. They've used Hardy in that role at times, too. But I feel like down the middle of the field, the deep parts of the field, that he is an absolute weapon that I want to utilize. I mean, you saw the separation. If he gets one-on-one -on -one coverage, he is a real problem because I think he has deceptive speed for his size. And once he gets by the defender, it's hard to run stride for stride with him. We we saw it play out here today. That's something that if they could find a way to implement him into the offense in that second and third level. And listen, I've maintained all season this is a too talented enough of an offense to where they haven't been able to unlock parts of it. So I wonder how much they're holding back and going to try to deploy in the playoffs, you know, when they can kind of uh, maybe reinvent themselves a little bit because – that's something they haven't been able to do over the last couple of years. Yeah, and, and listen, Joe Brady as well, Matt, finally taking over as offensive coordinator a few weeks ago. I'm sure that every week he's trying to kind of implement things and trying to get things going uh, for this team and for specific players. And maybe this was a play that he specifically had dialed up for Kincaid this week based on what he's seen on film from New England. So uh, again, as he gets more and more comfortable in this role as offensive coordinator, I think you're going to start him uh, seeing him scheme things up for specific players. I'm going to scheme things up for you guys right now, and I'm going to tell you to go text 716-528-6727. It is a great play design because at the other end, you're going to find a two-week free trial. And if you don't want a two-week free trial, say you want a month, send me an email, mperino at nyup.com. I'll give you a special code, give you a month free to become a Shout Buffalo Bills insider on the text line, which is brought to you by uh, Carrie C. Byer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litra, located at 237 Main Street in Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give them a call at 716-852-1234 or check out LitroLaw.com. All right, next, I want to go to where uh, an area for Joe Brady that I'm frustrated with. Okay. And I don't know how much of a Joe Brady thing it is or how much of a Sean McDermott thing it is. But we need to see Latavius Murray phased out of this offense. And listen, if he was this can't miss, unbelievable um, pass blocking running back, I would say I get it. Like keeping him in on third down makes a lot of sense with your when you're trying to um, protect the pocket. Where uh, there's been times today where they needed that, and, and so I get it. But in terms of like the offense finding production, third and one today, Latavius Murray, third and one. He gets stuffed. The Bills end up having a punt late in that game. And there's a one-score game at that point. Like, if you if the, if the Patriots have any semblance of an offense, they come down and score, you lose this game by one point, uh, and you miss the playoff, say. Like, that that can't happen. Like, it, it comes down to that kind of detail at this time of the year. Then you see them go to Ty Johnson late in this game, and he looked great. Like, he looked like there was some juice behind his runs. I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall. It's something we talked about week in and week out. But Latavius Murray, I get that they like it, but I almost felt like even – as underwhelmed as I was in Leonard Fournette last last week, I wonder that if he just doesn't offer more at this point than Latavius Murray. I think that's a fair argument because when it comes to Leonard Fournette, he can block, he can run the ball, and he probably has more sure hands than Latavius Murray in terms of a pass catcher. Murray had a bad third down drop earlier in this game as well where they, the Bills' offense was really struggling. Allen hits him along the sidelines. He bobbles it. He drops it. They get off the field uh, and have to punt once again. So – it was not a great game. And, and listen, you can look and say, well, third and one, why aren't they giving the ball to Josh Allen? That's a valid question. When Josh Allen has the ball in those QB keepers, he generally moves the chains. They dialed up Murray's number, though. He ran to a brick wall up the middle. He didn't try to kick it outside. Uh, 
right now his legs look very tired to me. And it looks like the wear and tear of being the oldest running back in the league and being out there almost each and every week and contributing in a certain role. So I'm with you. Fournette did not blow me away last week in terms of the, with his play, but you might want to go to him in this must win game against Miami next week. I want to talk a little bit more about the offense, but let's switch gears back to the defense for a moment. A couple of things to talk about. Let's start with Von Miller, who was made inactive for this game. And, you know, I think depending on how you look at this, I, I was a bit shocked by it because, you know, we're a few days removed from Eric Washington saying that, you know, Von Miller has earned some leeway in terms of him working his way back. And, you know, maybe that leeway had expired going into this game and in a must win game, they wanted to go with guys that they truly believed in AJ Epinesa making himself available, getting back today. So they went with the four edge rusher or five with Kingsley Jonathan, although I don't know how much he played today, if at all. I didn't see him out there a ton. Yeah. They went mostly with the four. Shaq Lawson was out there quite a bit. Leonard Floyd as well. Um, were you surprised about the Von Miller decision? And, you know, Sean McDermott tried to talk it up after the game. Like, it's something like, you know, he's still going to be a big part of what they do forward. And he was a great leader on the sideline. But this is a really big problem to have your $20 million edge rusher at this stage of the, uh, of the season a healthy scratch. Yeah, I was definitely surprised because of everything we heard this week, Matt. Uh, we've heard from Sean McDermott. We've heard from Eric Washington talking about, well, you know, he's making some plays here and there. And uh, they credited his pass rush with Puna Ford getting a sack last week. And uh, it's the flashes that he's had and he's earned the reps. Then you come to game day and, oh, he's not there. Now, when you look at the box score, no defensive end had a sack today. So it's not that no one stepped up in his place or that the defensive end struggled necessarily, but the, the, you know, Sean McDermott might say, well, maybe we need to get him back out there next week. Maybe he will have a role uh, against Miami. It was two sacks for Bernard. It was one sack for Ed Oliver who continues his rampage or tear this season. But uh, I was definitely surprised, not so much in terms of what we've seen on film, but based on what the coaches were saying all week long. Yeah. And I, and I wonder what this means moving forward for that room because there is a bit of a cluster there, right? Like with Shaq Lawson comes out, plays a, a larger role today. If you go on the road next week with, in Miami and Vaughn comes back, it kind of muddies up the waters for them a little bit and like how much they're playing in it. And right before he got went out, he was playing almost 30 snaps, which is then taking away snaps from other people. So I, I thought for the most part, from, from a pass rushing perspective today with what they did against Bailey Zappi, the unit as a whole was solid. I thought it was another really good game for Tim Settle. I thought Ed Oliver was really, really good. And I think a lot of it was like, you know, there's a little mobility. We saw Bailey Zappi with the rushing touchdown. I think a lot of it was just setting the edge and making sure that he couldn't kind of escape on a couple of those rushes. And then the interior did their job. And then you welcome back Daquan Jones, which no big splash plays, but I guarantee you when we watch it back, we're going to see some split, some flashes of what they miss with him out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and some credit does go to Bailey Zappi. It looked like the Bills had him dead to rights for a safety at one point in this game, and he somehow broke away from it and uh, threw the ball incomplete where it looked like they had him trapped. Other times the Bills were able to contain him, get a hold of him, but Zappi has a little bit more athleticism to his game than uh, Mac Jones or – uh, other options that New England has had as of late. So some credit goes to him. But yeah, the, the defensive line as a whole uh, performed well. They were really good in run defense again, uh, minus the, the Zeke Elliott touchdown where he kind of ran in. I think he maybe was touched one time. Uh, the, the front four was pretty solid for this Bills team. Yeah, the front four was solid. Ed Oliver continues to make those splash plays that we mentioned with Bernard earlier in the game, uh, early in the show. And 
you know, Oliver, to me, it's like you're waiting for the spell of games where he kind of fades into the background a little bit, right? That's been the storyline of his career. He'd have a game here, a game there, and then it would be kind of a couple games where you're just like, wait, where's that out Oliver? It just went absolutely off a couple games ago. It's been sustained success. It's like this to me is the example of a player in the Bean era that follows the timeline and rewards their patience with the player and their ability to develop him. He's been an absolute terror. And uh, I can't remember who tweeted it. It might've been uh, John Scott from spectrum, but I totally agree. I mean, he's going to have some, some all pro uh, buzz here as we finish the season. If he has a sack next week, goes over 10 with what he's meant to the run in the past defense for the bills, where he ranks in you know, PFF and his pass rush win rate, all those kinds of things. He's been absolutely spectacular for them. Yeah, n- nothing short of spectacular, especially when you look at the fact Daquan Jones, who is playing at an elite level those first four weeks, goes out with the torn pectoral. And he's, at Oliver, is still able to perform when you have Tim Settle, who early on wasn't playing great football, has been down the stretch, however, uh, Jordan Phillips, who wasn't playing at a high level. These guys that were kind of being mixed and matched in, Linval Joseph and company, and didn't matter who was lined up next to him at defensive tackle, who was lined up at the edge. Ed Oliver has made play after play after play this season. He's made good on his promise to make his contract extension look like a real steal for this Bills team and definitely deserves some all-pro consideration. Where do you want to go next? You know, let's go to a, a guy that we probably never really talk about much, Sam Martin. We we have to bring him up. I I little punter love here, Matt. He was phenomenal. Today. I'm, I'm looking at the stats at the end of the game, and we're talking about him in the press box. And he had six punts in this game, and all of them pinned the Patriots inside the 20-yard line. He had at least one that was within the five-yard line and maybe two, three, 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 went to the three. And then he had another one that I think was within the 10, maybe two. He was just on point today. Sean McDermott, you know, mentioned the struggles that he's had at times this season. And that's the thing, that's the kind of thing that you need dialed in you know, the game starts off and it's this unbelievable special teams blunder for the Bills. One Almost one year to the day since Naheem Hines blew the, the roof off this place. Jalen Rager comes out and puts the Patriots up 7 nothing right off the jump. Um, and, and I think you're kind of like reeling from that. Those are the kind of plays that they can't have over the next four to six weeks, you know, as they kind of try to make this run through the playoffs. Is that a hair or is that a spider web? <laughs> Something, a something's like kind of dangling on my face. And I'm always thinking in here, like, you know, did they do a great job cleaning or is that maybe like a uh, spider web that's happened before? I think it's just a loose hair. Uh, anyway, special teams blunders, they could completely change the dynamic of a game. If they're playing a better offense today with the way that their offense was struggling, that's a serious, serious concern. And I think Sam Martin being buttoned up in the punting game was a nice plus for them in that department. Yeah. Well, and listen, when it comes to kickoffs, you have a guy that has a big leg in, in Tyler Bass. Uh, If you're worried about your kickoff coverage whatsoever, just have him kick it to the end zone, kick it through the end zone. But Sam Martin, after some three or four weeks of struggles, he has been outstanding the last two games. And like you said, it's backing up these teams like the Patriots. And uh, last week against the Chargers in a game where, once again, the Bills did not bring their A game, Sam Martin and his punting were, were able to keep the Bills flipping the field, keep these other offenses uh, backed up, keeping them out of the ends and keeping them out of field goal range in some cases uh, in, in these one possession wins. One thing that I don't like too is like the Bills' inability offensively. Listen, this is a really good red zone defense for the Patriots, but the Bills have been the best team in the NFL in red zone offense this season. And 
everything looked hard down there. If it wasn't Josh Allen getting out in the run game somehow or, you know, sneaking the ball up against the goal line, they looked a bit lost. And I'm, I have a huge concern about that when you have Dawson Knox, who has been historically really good as a red zone target, and you have Dalton Kincaid, who I think you drafted to be a weapon down there, and they have no answers in the passing game once they get in the 20-yard line against a Patriots team that, listen, I know it's a good defense, and I know they're good in the red zone. This is a team that's playing for a draft pick, and you can't get in the end zone when you get down deep. I mean, if I'm the defense sitting there in this game, I'm like, man, what else do I got to do? And then Rasul Douglas comes out there and be like, never mind, I'll do it myself. Yeah, that's exactly what he did because this defense really set up the Bills with three good scoring opportunities. They're able to score once in terms of a touchdown, but then they had to settle for some field goals. And you're right, things did not look easy. There was a play where Josh Allen was wrapped up by two defenders and he pitches it to Khalil Shakir. Uh, that did look like it was by design, but still a risky play nonetheless. The run game couldn't get going. Allen was off the mark in, in terms of passing the ball, throwing it low in the end zone to Kincaid. Uh, just being off the mark across the board. So they're very lucky that they're able to win this game, to move to 10 and six and find themselves in a spot to make the playoffs, whether it's later tonight or potentially next week in this game against Miami. Let's close it down with our first thoughts on this matchup now, because the bills now go on the road offensively. Like you think about it in a matchup against the dolphins. If you figure they get back Jalen Waddle, and they get back Raheem Mostert, who didn't play today against the Baltimore Ravens, which already was a tough matchup on the road against what is now going to be the number one seed in the AFC. You feel like you're going to need to score. I mean, the last time the Bills played the Dolphins, they put up 48 points on them. This is a different offense than it was in week four. What are your early feelings on this? What are your early thoughts on how this thing could, could play out? And obviously, Bradley Chubb losing him potentially is a, a massive blow without Jalen Phillips already. But offensively, do the, do the Bills have the firepower to go on the road and really compete with what should be a high-powered uh, still Dolphins Dolphins? They definitely have the firepower, Matt, but it's it's a matter of Josh Allen throwing the ball accurately and uh, the offense protecting the football. You know, James Cook did do a good job today holding on to the ball. Ty Johnson was this unheralded back late in the game, getting the ball, staying in bounds at one point on a six-yard carry rather than running it to the outside, which is the direction he was going. Uh, Khalil Shakir stepping up. But as great as it is that you're getting guys like that stepping up, you need James Cook to have a big game. You need Stefan Diggs to step up. You need Gabe Davis and your tight ends. Those are the guys that you're supposed to be coming to the, the table with. And, you know, to Josh Allen's credit, he's had a long history of success against Miami. Uh, and Vic Fangio for that matter as well. But in a game where Miami is going to be trying to play for uh, potentially the two seed uh, and, and some home you know games and the Bills are going to be trying to play for just a playoff berth in general possibly, the Bills need to come out with their A game. We have not necessarily seen that over the last few weeks. I feel like it's a game so much bigger than just the AFC East and the oh, yeah. playoff stuff because doesn't it feel like this is like – what we've been building towards since the Dolphins traded for Tyreek Hill, like with the way that it felt at times, like especially within the fan bases that just the, first of all, the discourse in the fan bases at times is super toxic and super like nasty. Yeah. And, you know, I guess as it should be for two teams that are uh, in the same division and, and want to be at the top of things. And the bills have dominated the AFC East since 2020 uh, and, and want to continue to kind of wear that crown. And I think a couple of weeks ago, those fans didn't think that was even possible. I don't think, you know, if you, if you dial it back to after the, that Eagles game and into the bye, I mean, uh, draft talk and, you know, a, a lot of panic setting in, 
now it's like to me this feels like so much potential like Miami having to go on the road in the playoffs to me is like a death knell for them like I I don't know if they're built to go on the road against some of the elite teams like even a Kansas City who's been struggling on offense to play that defense in Arrowhead potentially weather elements to come into Buffalo like that's not where I feel like they want to be so everything's on the line it feels just so so massive and it is massive because this is again one of those games where the the Dolphins want to show there's a changing of the guard and they've you know they kind of have gone the Rams route is what I call it in terms of big contracts big trades whether you're talking Tyreek Hill Ramsey Chubb uh, they, they really went out and they've acquired all this talent saying this is going to be our team and, and in a way they're kind of setting themselves up to say we have to win a Super Bowl and a two, three, four year span because of all the big money that they have already in, uh, have under contract to getting an extension here in the near future, so on and so forth. And if they do lose this game to Buffalo and they have to go on the road in the playoffs, this season would go down as a failure despite all the wins, despite uh, hanging around and going down to the wire with the Bills potentially. Now, again, we don't know the outcome of next week's game, but there's a lot riding on this, especially for Miami, because like I said, the way that they're spending, the way that they're trading assets, they're in this win now mode where I don't think they necessarily have this huge window because of the contracts and the sailors that they already have under contract. If from a Buffalo perspective in closing, it's, it's very interesting to see how this plays out. Say potentially the two seed ends up being where they're at and they'd be home for two playoff games at least. Right. And you never know what's going to happen with Baltimore. I, I think there's a couple of interesting matchups. Should the, I mean, Jacksonville, uh, although that they've struggled, if they get Trevor Lawrence back, I, they have the talent to go on the road and beat a Baltimore team. Would it happen? Would they be predicted? Of course not. The Cleveland Browns, maybe, as maybe a team that could go on the road. Um, but the biggest thing for me, if the Bills can get the two seed, is you finally force the Chiefs in the playoffs to come to Highmark Stadium instead of having to go back to Arrowhead, which – for someone that covers the team, I'm a big fan of that, to not have to go to Kansas City. I love the barbecue, but I'd love one more to, to, to cover a, an extra playoff game in Orchard Park. But it is amazing, too, to be even talking about that at this stage, knowing where we were a few weeks ago. Yeah, knowing that this team was at 1.6-6, six and six, like you said, didn't know if playoffs were even attainable to potentially playing for the number two seed uh, next week against Miami. That That's huge. And again, it goes back to the win over the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, despite having a poor record in the conference, being in a spot now where they could really kind of control their own destiny, have up to two home games here at least. Uh, if the Bills can obviously win that first round, and then, you, like you said, you never know. If Baltimore gets knocked off, the AFC Championship could be right here in Western New York. It's going to be interesting to watch. Get to a TV right now and watch this 4 o'clock slate. We will be back on Wednesday. Shout is always brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Uh, delicious, effortless, and affordable. Great entertaining options. Spend less time in the kitchen and more time enjoying your gathering by ordering delicious food from Tops' catering selection and pick it up at your nearest Tops location. If you would like to place an order over the phone, call 1-800-925-8925. Select option eight. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. or Saturday and Sunday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. All right, from Highmark Stadium, he is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. We will be back on Wednesday. Big week on deck. Can't wait. Take care, everybody.